This is Phyllis Stevens, an American quilt maker, and you're listening to Studio Noise. Yes, yes, it's the noise. You got your overalls. You got your aprons. You got your shirt with all the spots on it. You got all of that, baby. You ready to go. It's time for noise. The noise, the noise. The sound of creation. That's what we love right here on the Studio Noise Podcast. Sponsored by NBAF, National Black Arts uh, doing a thing, giving out grant money to artists right now looking for help in these times. Head on over to NBAF.org and check them out. Uh, it's the Studio Noise Podcast. It's like you ordered a brand new podcast. It just came in the mail, got dropped off. And surprise, you open the box and you got that free upgrade to the black one. That's right. Because <laughs> black people do art and black people make culture. And we talk about it right here on The Noise. It's your boy. The professor, Jay Barber, my co-host Jiggy Jazz is out on assignment. So all summer long, it's just me and you right here on the noise. I'm going to keep bringing you all these interviews. Y'all keep the dialogue rocking. Uh, we'll get to know each other. You know, that's how it's going to be. Yo, got a dynamic interview for you today. We're going to talk about it. Uh, but right now, this time of the week where I dropped that studio noise question of the week on you. And this week, I'm telling you uh, to let me know your least favorite our ad man thing to do. Uh, tell me what the what you least looking forward to of all the things that you got to do when you're in your studio. Um, being an artist is a, is a big job, right? So it's not just about making art. I mean, you got to do a whole lot of other stuff. You got to do the emails. Uh, you got to organize your studio space. You got to apply for grants. You got to do all kinds of stuff. Like, what's the one thing you hate to do? And this is a moment of full transparency for you. I'm going to tell you what I hate most of all more than anything, what I just despise. Uh, and it's websites. I don't know how many of y'all out there like me, but I hate updating my website. I mean, I, I got so much other stuff to do. The last thing I want to do is sit back and, and revise and add stuff. But I mean, I know it's super important. I know it is. And so I was sitting around thinking to myself, uh, every time it's time to update the website, I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna just tell you about the Studio Noise website because I I went through and updated. And I actually sat down and did it. So for the longest time, your boy would just pull up and I'd just be like this. I ain't got time. For these I just ain't got time. I don't I don't have time. Let's just say it again. Say it again, Tyler. I ain't got time. For these I don't have time. That it, it just is what it is. I, I, I find every excuse in the book not to do it. And so I realized when I when I did was doing the same thing and I got that call to do low key brag right here. But I got a call to do a, a commission for Twitter. And it's like suddenly, suddenly my attitude completely changed. And I was like, I got time to got time i got time you you got it and i, I got time i was just like yo say what, what do you say bj i got time today yeah, yeah. Oh, i 
I got time. I made time for it. And so that's that. In that one moment, I was like, yo, why am I sit out here and go crazy and go ham for all these other people at the drop of a hat and won't do it for my own self? So I just sat down, buckled, buckled down, got to it and updated the website. So if you head over to www.studionoisepodcast.com, you'll see a, a completely updated website. Got a special section for the summer session, which we in right now. Uh, with me doing the solo stuff, but I started writing articles based on uh, the interviews that we were doing. Nice little, nice little features with some pictures, you know what I'm saying? Little, little stuff in it, you know what I'm saying? Pull your boy, put a little bit of effort into it, you know, had articles. We started doing the full transcripts of all the podcasts available for you. Just hit the link in the episode, just hit the link on the episode page. You could get that. Um, everything's categorized so you can find it, put a little search thing up there so people can, can find their favorite episodes and listen to it. So overall, it's just a lot of stuff that I should have been doing and I just never did, never did nothing for it. Cause I was just like, I ain't got time. And, and now I'm, I'm like, I got time. I, I had to make time. It, it was it's no doubt about it. So the first thing you got to do, the first I realized the first thing you got to do is come clean, come clean with yourself, come clean with your boy, come clean with the studio noise fam. All right. Head on over to IG at studio noise podcast and, you know, find a link and go ahead and comment. Let me know. Come clean. Yo, don't don't hold back. Yo, if you knew you were supposed to be, uh, you know, sweeping your studio out you know you're supposed to be repainting you know you're supposed to be doing your website like me you know you're supposed to be doing your inventory go ahead and come clean admit it to the fam right and then you can go back and change it yo we hold you accountable that's what we do we the fam yo so that's what we own so head on over do that yo let me know i'm, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you and today we got a special special great interview for you one of my favorite absolute favorite guests uh, that we've had so far. One of my favorite artists. I love her work. That's Miss Jamia Richmond Edwards. Uh, she came through on the podcast. We talked about a lot of stuff. Talk about her, about her artwork a lot. Major, what it was like in the nineties, Detroit. How she was giving it to him with the furs <laughs> and all that good stuff. It's a nice, fun interview for you. I think y'all gonna like it. So right off the break, we back with Jamia Richmond Edwards on the noise, the noise, the noise. Right, it's Studio Noise Podcast. It's your boy Jay Barber, and I'm here with one of my favorite artists. She heard me say it before, but now she <laughs> now she hear it again. That's <laughs> one of my favorite, Mrs. Miss Jamia Richmond Edwards. Uh, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I am well, and thank you for the invitation. For sure, for sure. I had to get you on. Like you, you are your work is phenomenal. One, let's go ahead and get thank that you. out of the way. And, uh, thank you. Stand, and we can have a normal conversation. <laughs> <Now>. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. 
And so um, I'm going to start a conversation, not necessarily with your work, but more about 90s era Detroit. Like, yeah. what, what, what was it like growing up then? Because, I mean, I was in North Carolina, 90s. I'm, I'm an 80s baby, too. So, 90s. Okay. I was in North Carolina. I remember riding my bike with a Walkman, listening to Outcast tapes. Yeah. I had the okay. cross colors on. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Doing my thing with my boys playing ball. What was you doing in the 90s? Absolutely. Um, I wasn't necessarily listening to Outcast, although one of my closest friends who's no longer here, Ronald Hobbs, rest in peace. Um, he was into that, but I was listening to techno and house music. Oh, and um, I don't know if you were Detroit is the birthplace of techno, and so is it? um, yeah, so um, Chicago is the birth of house music. So you know, during the nineties, that's that's what we was listening to. Um, that's what my my siblings was listening to and um you know growing up in Detroit it was a it's a very black city like extremely black I in my school that I attended from you know kindergarten all the way up to high school it was it was one or two white kids in the school and I had majority black teachers as well. So I grew up in a very um in a like a, a very a very black and and proud and unapologetic space, you know. Um, and as, as you know, coming up in the nineties, of course, um, bad boys. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know that's when you know Diddy came on the scene. Um, so that was live and well. But the techno and the house was really essential because in Detroit, you know, we have a dance called Jit. <laughs> in Chicago, they call it footwork. Right. In right. D.C., they call it beating your feet. And so I was a part of me and my girls. We connected with the guys. We used to have, we used to jit in the basement. And it reminded me of oh, like powwow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so all those things kind of informed, you know, how I view the world, how I view my work. I see it in my work. I see techno in my work. Cause it's sort of, it's like a, a, a organized chaos to some degree. It's very rhythmic. Um, so yeah, all those things in, informed who I, who I am in my, in my practice. That's what's up, yo. Coochie sweaters, Gucci, um, Coogee <laughs> sweat. I'm sorry. I was trying to say <laughs> Gucci and Coogee at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, all of that to, together, you know, so Detroit, so were y'all closer to like the New York scene when like, Wu-Tang and Nas and all of them Not was really. LB. Not really. It's for me, it was the um DJ Assaults. It was really techno. Mm. And um our parents, because this is Detroit Motown, you know, you had that heavy Motown influence. Right. Um we were learning how to ballroom dance when we were in middle and high school, and ballroom dancing would be equivalent to Chicago stepping. stepping and yeah. so that was incorporated into our curriculum where we had after school classes. So you had the Motown influence. And when you would do the ballroom dancing, um, that was more Motown. And we saw our parents doing that. And, you know, at home, you know, with my sister or the house parties that we would go to would be your house at techno. Wow. So, yeah, it's, so, real, yeah, it's real interesting. You had a good old time growing up. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was it was good. And I grew up on Seven Mile. I grew up in in the hood, you know, um, 
So you see all the sights, all the things yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that you see in the hood. Yeah. So it was, it was amazing. And, it was amazing. It, and, um, and I had a, like a similar experience now when, in terms of having like all black everything like growing yes. up. So my whole school, okay. like every school I went to, elementary school, middle school, high school, 90 eight percent black yeah and like like a couple of <laughs> sprinkles of white people and mixed in there and they all, all the white right. people hung together in their own little group mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. as it so i i attribute it to two things right one i attribute mm-hmm. it directly to just racism in the south they wouldn't let yeah. black people live certain places so yeah. the place we were we had to make our own schools therefore Absolutely. even now the school still has the same racial makeup that they fight, actually, they fight to keep the same racial makeup. Um, hmm. Even now, like they would just, I, I remember distinctly when I was in yes. middle school, a mm-hmm. family moved into the district for the, it was Ronald Rapids High, I'm going to call them out. Okay. <laughs> the Ronald Rapids call High School out. District. They moved into the school district. They redrew the school district around their house. <laughs> <laughs> so that they still had to come to Northwest where we were. And so now I'm saying all that to say that even though as a kid growing up, you don't really see and feel the entire system yes. of racism on your back, but you do yes. get uh, this idea of community that's much different than people give you credit for. Like looking from the outside, they just think that all black people just are out on their own, just, you know, looting, blah, 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 doing all this you stuff. Know. But, you know, you see everything. You see people own businesses. You see lawyers. You see Absolutely. shop owners. You see you do see the bad stuff like drug dealers and all this other kind of stuff. But you get yeah. a three hundred and sixty view of life. You know, absolutely. And I, feel, you know, I'm going to take it a step further. Like we can call it racism, but you know, you have people who argue that our our things started crumbling once we integrated. Yeah. Okay, so I think that. Um, yeah, they redlined us and kind of kept us in our corner, but it was still beautiful. The other thing that they did, of course, was they <laughs> they put the drugs and the guns. Yeah, and they gave it say, to hey, us. Yeah. We just going absolutely. So, um, but with that, because being an '80s baby, that's the crack, you know, coming off the heroin epidemic with my my parent, my mother's era. '80s was the crack epidemic, right? And the AIDS epidemic, and so that also influence how I see the world and that influenced the music of course um so I think like I'm looking at my timeline my life timeline like the things that are was happening then and now in 2020 looking back and I look at my work and I'm like oh yeah I see this and I'm so privileged to have a platform which I do recognize my privilege because it's very important for me to contextualize that you know, and I and I say it, crack is as American as apple pie and baseball. And, you know, that's the things that we like to sweep up under the rug because, you know, if that, that affected my family. Yeah, <laughs> it it yeah, affected my community. Yeah. It was just it was it was horrible, but it was great um, because we still again, America's dropping their bombs on us. But somehow we, we still find our joy. We could still dance. We could still be fly as hell um so that's all of these things really charge my practice yeah and and i think well the people that know can see it you know, you know it's, yeah, it's that type right. of thing like you know <laughs> um, okay and so we, when we talk about uh we'll ease into your work a little bit when you talk about how mm-hmm. um you were looking at ebony fashion fair spreads mm-hmm. 
Like, um, tell yes. me, tell me, how did how did you start seeing those, and how did it start getting you on this track of creating your own stuff? Yeah, um, I would say my first introduction, um, just in general to art and art making or um, aesthetics is through the hair because Detroit is the hair cap was the hair hair capital maybe still is, um, and fashion, and so. My sister, my older sister, Brandy, is 13 years older than me. And I remember when she got her first apartment and she would have Jet magazines and Ebony magazines. And when I would go through those books, that was my first introduction of of, um, couture because the, uh, you know, real high fashion. Now, I talk about the the Ebony fashion fairs because you, you see the layout of it. But while this is happening, Detroit is very was a very fashionable city. I would see my mom. My mom is a social dancer where she would go Chicago stepping or um, bopping. Hey, mama, there you go. Listen, over the weekend, <laughs> I would see my mother um, dressing in, in high fashion, mink coats, you know, Ooh, gators. My, my mama was doing it. She like, yeah, my fa- we have I have an interesting family. But but that was the city. That's the culture of the mid. I can't say the Midwest It's really everywhere, but you know, from me growing up in the city. Um, so seeing my mom and then me seeing the magazine is just like, Oh, okay. This is real, you know? And so I always, I always drew, like I just, would, I, my, my childhood was spent up until graduating from high school. I have stacks and stacks and stacks of notebooks just drawing. But at some point I said, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And I made that connection from the Ebony Fashion Fair, like, oh, okay, because you would need models to right. yeah. wear, you know. So, yeah, that's how that came about it was through my sister. Yeah. So, were you a big fashion kid? Like, were you trying to make your own oh, clothes God. and stuff like that? You know what? I I took some sewing classes while I was in high school, but I was more so. I just loved to dress. I just loved to. Um, See now, like, now uh, I know you from the nineties because then when you say you love to dress. That's what I, I'm love talking about. <laughs> I love a dress. I love a dress. Like I that girl was can wearing dress. my like I was wearing my mother minks. I was wearing Chanel Gucci. Ooh, girl. Um, <laughs> like I was a name, brand, but it wasn't about the name brand. It was just being stylish. It was a style, and, yeah. You know, I was wearing cowboy boots, and you know, just sequence. This is mm. all I'm in high school, so I think that. Um, I just like to adorn my, my myself and I saw, you know, my peers reacted to it. I responded to them. It's I remember Randy, you know, he may not ever hear this, but Randy, he would he would catch the bus home from school wearing big block gators. What? So that was just the, the culture <laughs> of the city. Cartier, 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 you know, I'm country. Well, Cartier glasses. We was wearing Cartier's and, and that's a staple in Detroit. These are twenty five hundred dollar glasses. Wow. So. Detroit is a very interesting place because that, you know, once, you know, we migrated to the, to the North, um, those industrial jobs was, gave us that middle-class access. And so right. once we access the middle-class, it's like, oh shoot, I'm about to get my caddy. I'm about to, so that kind of trickled down to me, the, <laughs> you know, the descendants of these folks who migrated. So it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you was doing it. You was that girl in in school. I was I that, like that. I was that. It was. It people <laughs> kind of like you know. Some people say it's problematic, but I, you know, I want to press against that. 
Um, because my mom, she kind of instilled that in me, like not necessarily spend a lot of money, but no, you know, you make sure that you present yourself well and you, you know, you let folks know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I was that chick. Yo, that's mm-hmm. what's up, yo. That's what's yeah. up. And so, so uh, going from there, did you always, were you always focused on being an artist at that point or did you, yeah. did you think you were doing something else? No, I was always doing art. Like since I was three years old, like I, um, I was doing art and, uh, it was, this was a few months ago where I re- remember I would take the textbooks that my brother and sister, my brother was six years older than me. My sister is 13 years older than me. And they would bring their textbooks home from school, you know, that they would have to study. And so when I was four, four or five years old, I would tear out the blank pages that's in the beginning of the books. And I would draw on them and put Vaseline on the back <laughs> of the paper and hang it up on the, the around the house. Oh, so <laughs> when I was young, I just <laughs> always knew, and my mother and my family supported me. So it's I, I'm a one trick pony. That's the only thing <laughs> I've ever done. <laughs> it's art. That's what's up, yo. And so, did you know that, like, going out of high school and the college, like, you wanted to pursue it? And did you want to pursue it like definitely in in college or were what path did you see for yourself? Yeah, so um now I also while I, being an artist, that was my my constant. I started playing um the clarinet when I was 9 and then I shifted to French horn in middle school and I played throughout high school in a marching band. So by the time I graduated you know, I made a very impulsive decision to go to Jackson State University in Mississippi. And I was just like, well, shoot, I, I whatever the universe wanted me to be there. So I, I didn't know it was the universe. I'm just like, well, I'm going to go here. Right. And um, when I first came to Jackson State, I'm like, well, I'm an artist. I could be a designer. I may design bridges so i would be an industrial engineer or what or what is it mechanical is a structural engineer yeah, it's one of them yeah um and i took that first class and i'm like oh hell no nope back to <laughs> art way too much math in this class it was way it was changing me so by second semester of college i was back i was an art major and that was it and i you know from jackson I went to howard university to receive my mfa oh man y'all gonna turn this into the howard show uh, uh, listen, you now know, I had so many people <laughs> from Howard come through and just call all over my podcast about listen, how great y'all are. I'm, hey, I ain't I mad. Mean, I ain't mad. Y'all make some incredible place. people. Yeah. Howard, it, but I have to say, Jackson State University makes some heavy hitters as well. You know, all these HBCUs. Yeah. Um, you know, Jackson was my first, it will always be my first love. And so, um, you know, going, coming through the band, was it it's you see it in my work like <laughs> i see it, the the dance girls the the rhythm yeah um the outfits the outfits the stink face you yeah. know when we march in we weren't smiling like this ain't no joke <laughs> we at war <laughs> yeah that so, was up yo yeah because we've had um bisa butler's uh been on the show she's from um, howard yeah um lindsey renee benton she's a dancer she was from she did a time there did time okay. I'm saying like I'm president or something. Look, I see what you did. I see what you did there. I'm gonna let that slide. Yeah, we had um. 
no offense, no offense, of course. Mm-hmm. Our time, Mary. Okay. okay. Yeah, we had Lauren. Lauren Harris has uh, been there. She's mm-hmm. an arts administrator. Um, okay. Yeah. So you know, they, all y'all just come and represent. I appreciate it, Joe, because I mean, Howard's got a, le- a legacy. Uh, it really does. And so, how much? How much that legacy play into you, like the the Afro Cobra kind of oh, kind of stuff and all that? Yeah, those were my mentors. But before I came to Howard. At Jackson, you know, I Jackson State is when it was introduced to me. And I was just like, yo, that's the illest thing. And at the time, I didn't know I would end up in D.C. And so by the time I came to D.C. And before I came to, to move right after not, while I was in Jackson, I did a residency called the Tougaloo Art Residency. And Murray DePillars, um, rest in peace, who was an, who was an Afro-Cobra artist. Um, I worked under him and so he planted that seed. So by the time I came to Howard and, you know, Akili Ron Anderson and James Phillips were my committee advisors, mm, yeah. um, along with Al Smith, who's not Afro-Cobra, but he's genius. I was just like, yo, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, that's like, awesome. I'm winning. So I think, you know, um, and right when I entered at Howard, um, me and a- another friend of mine, we started. Uh, our own black arts or, you know, arts collective. And so that was also in response to um, the Afro Cobra um, and, and that, you know, that sense of organizing and coming with your crew, coming, working, moving as a, as a unit. Yeah. So all those things really, really impacted me. Yeah. And and, um, I could see it in your work. Like it's, it's subtle, like even with the colors and and how you're getting it, it's like, they're super bright, bright. Environment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Kool Aid colors. Yeah, and, yeah, there um, you go, Kool Aid colors. Yeah, Kool Aid colors. And I think when we talk about the contemporary art world, um, y- you know, I was kind of trying to fight against that because I'm like, it's it's too it's too loud, <laughs> it's too vibrant. I want to tone it down. Um, and I, you know, I was at an artist talk and I heard someone mention like, oh yeah, I wanted to be more mature with my practice. And so I brought, I muted the colors and I'm like, you know, which is fine. And that's that person's, you know, right to do so. But I, in my mind, I also felt the same way. Like in order for me to mature and to kind of, um, grow as an artist, I need to tone those colors down. But what I'm doing now is like I'm I'm pressing against that. <laughs> That's yeah. who we are. Like we're colorful people. Yeah. Um. So why do I have to bridle that? And I will not. And when you know, when I look at my my mentors and Afro Cobra, and just when you look at um just quote unquote black art in general, you know we we like colors, and so I'm it's there, and I'm you know I'm not running from it. Yeah, you, know? you you you're definitely not running. For that. That's for sure. No, right. no. And so I think about um one of your works. I'm gonna bring it up. Uh, Girl with okay. three orbs, and I, it's interesting mm. because it's mixed media, and mm-hmm. it's mixed media. But your media list is a, is showing how much you're adding to it and creating like yeah. your own world. So you got ink, graphite, glitter, mm-hmm. oil stick, and mixed mm-hmm. media, and tied yeah. it with another one. You got acrylic and textile. Mm-hmm. rhinestones and, and yeah I mean, so you got like all this kind of stuff like where did you get the idea to start adding so much material into oh your yes absolutely so when i so i met my my husband in jackson mississippi my husband jeff and he's from milwaukee so when we 
I got pregnant my senior year of college. Okay. Ain't no wrong. Lot. I got it. Ain't no listen. Yeah. Look, that's that, that's that, that musician child we got. <laughs> um, we moved to Milwaukee and I joined an arts group called um, Abaya. And this was led by Della Wells. Um, oh, that, and, I, yes, yes, yes. I know this group. Yeah. Okay. Della is one of my mentors. And so many of the artists in that group were folk artists self-taught and when you just study folk art and black american and also indigenous american because i'm also indigenous american as well um you see that we're using all type of media so when i when i'm thinking about art before i think look into contemporary art i look at the folk artists and what they showed me was you can you can use whatever the hell you want to use because going through this education system, it's like, oh no, if you're a master, you must use oil paints because right. that's what Michelangelo or you know, fresco paintings and so forth. Um, but what I'm 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 pushing against that. <laughs> I'm going with the people here in the Americas. Um, I'm looking at their work and I'm 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 I feel empowered. And so with Della you know, and looking at, you know, Ramir Bearden and, you know, all these folks, they were just, it was just really organic and, and quilting. We we use the materials that are around us. So my work is, it's, it's all a collage. Even the figures, I draw them, cut them out. It's, it's an additive process. Right. Um, and, you know, when I first started, I'm also was an educator. I, I was in education for 13 years too. Um, art education, secondary art education. You know, it, we want to make it very, very um, restrictive. Like, okay, this is your set of tools. No, you know what? Put some, put some hot sauce on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how I, I, I approach it. I don't, I don't want borders. I want to have the space to move. Right. Within the work. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I also see happening. This, we can jump back and forth between your work, but what I sure, see happening absolutely. is, um, you are putting more into your artwork now. Like yes. more layers, more pieces, mm-hmm. more, um, you know, decorative papers and, and, and mm-hmm. glitter and all this other kind of stuff where some mm-hmm. of your earlier works, as I was looking at mm-hmm. your work, were much simpler. And a lot yes. of that action was just in the outfits or just in it, like, you know, you have some now. pieces with clouds. Like it would just be clouds in a, in a kind of sparse background. Um, but right. now it's like, it's, it's full. Like it's like an explosion, like inside of of your canvas like what would transition you to thinking about it in that way or is that just, just a regular being, development no it was just being free and i'm telling you like as an educator when we talk about western education it's through you know we it's western art we're in the western world we colonize etc you know we're looking at the 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 quote-unquote masters your michelangelo's and raphael's and so forth so when i'm thinking of my work i'm like oh the earlier works, I want to kind of align it with them, but still kind of do my own thing. Uh, and I was fighting against the wanting to add everything, all the colors into it. And as as you as you know, you follow my career, you will see me getting more comfortable with it, and really is getting comfortable with myself. I think that the work is allegorical to you know, my life, me understanding who I am, me understanding my people, my story, my articulating my voice. So it's just, it's just being comfortable. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate you for, uh, for pointing that out. Um, and so now 
You're welcome. I can, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 really that's really dope. And so now where I see myself going, it's just like this really the sky is the limit. Now I can go sculptural. Now I can do work right, in yeah. 4D. Yeah. Um, but just initially limiting myself because I was thinking in terms of a you know, like oh what what, what would Michelangelo do? He is still one of my one of my favorite artists, I can't lie. Um Yeah. But it's not the end all be all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I I understand that because that's um always a struggle between um and you don't want to do this, but I'm in grad school now, so I'm I'm going through ah. the same thing where I'm studying like a lot of these works ah. and trying to see like what work for this to make it belong <laughs> in the high. You know what I'm saying? What make it mm. make this belong in in mm. camera somewhere? But to get away from that, because um you got to stop. Uh, I'll take it back. My thought is <laughs> to mm-hmm. explain myself that you study those works and you kind of want to do what they do in composition wise and kind of that Throw and, it out. and even thinking about that, you're limiting yourself in the you're possibilities limited. of you Throw it out. and what you want to do. Yeah. Throw it out. Throw it out. One of the things I, I love teaching. I actually love teaching more than I do making art. Really? But I had to make, yeah, I actually do. And I, I still do it. Cause I, I have a lot of young people who I'm, who I mentor, um, both graduate school, um, and undergrad, um, and we'll talk about that because now I have some other ideas as we we're coming through this paradigm shift. But as a graduate student, you have to throw that out. You can look at it. But what we have to do is we focus too much on places and people outside of the states. And I'm talking about non-black artists. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. You need to look to see you know, you and you from North Carolina, I'm from Georgia. You have these mounds that they don't teach us about these ancient mounds that predates the, um, the pyramids in Giza. And when you look at the, the work and the artifacts that are in these ancient pyramids here in your backyard, okay, all over the States, you see works and figures that look like us. And we talk about ancient art that predates ancient Egypt. And so, you know, we 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 aligned ourselves because many of us, of course, we have African influence here in America, period. Right. Just like we have European influence. But much of what has been created has been created by us here. So for me, I began studying myself, my mother, how they how they adorn their bodies, the quilters, the food. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Jitting yeah. and dance culture, techno. That's how I'm aligning myself and and saying, hey, I'm an I'm an American artist and I'm pulling my inspiration primarily from the Americas. Although, you know, I can go ahead and add some of my my Japanese influence, my European influence. Um, but too often we outsource everything. You You, you feel me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's myself. I can go. Education is my, that's my heart. No, that's Um, good. And I I see how they, they play us because, you know, and I'm just going to give this, this, this example. I have a young woman who I'm, um, who I mentor and she's ceramics and her people are from, um, she's from Virginia. And she was saying, you know, my work is, you know, I have African influence and I'm like, that's beautiful. Because we know that some of the the most powerful work was created from Africa, but I say, 
what type of pottery does your mother, your grandmother have? What type of pottery did your, your auntie have? And we had those figurines. You know what I mean? Those yeah. figurines. Oh, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. So who's talking about that? Who's intellectualizing that? Who's contextualizing that? You In America, every young girl have a bowl full of barrettes and balls, hair balls. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, chair and balls, yeah. Like, so part of what we, I, what I want to encourage us to do, American artists, is we have to also, we have to start from here and then branch out. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And and in terms of like varying your influences, uh, one of the major turning points in how I was thinking about work came when I started studying uh, African artists, in particular how um, one named Uche Ukeke, who yes, who went left and then came back and created his own school mm. in in his um in um. I'm, I'm gonna say the country wrong, so I apologize. <laughs> but, yeah. But but in the, he made his own country based on his own culture, and it and kind of not rejected, but kind of took a little bit of part about what he learned when he was in Europe and brought mm. it back, but still went back to the main influences of his culture and okay. then elevated it. And so that's the, that's kind of exactly what you're talking about. And that's then, what Augustus Savage did. And yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, nah, that's good. Um, but you you see that, and so that's one of the that's my next iteration. That's where I'm at now. That's where I'm at now to say, well, who who are the master teachers here, and let's begin working through the Black American lens and our you know our histories um, that's in the Americas because not everybody came from Africa, and then you also have the African influence, and then you have the Caribbean influence. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean. So yeah. it's like a it's some really powerful stuff here that's not talked about in these schools. And ah, that's yeah, also that's by su- design. That's super true. Yeah. <laughs> that's super true. Because, I mean, it but, took me a long time. I didn't know who, who Dave DePotta was. Uh, okay. You know? Now, 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 listen, now we get into something. Okay. And when you look at when you look at Dave DePotta's work, I'm going to give you a tidbit that nobody has ever talked about. And I'm like, I'm an intelligent woman, but I'm like, I it, this overlooked by any everyone. He was in the South Carolinas. Look up at the the, the indigenous tribe that start with a C. I cannot remember which one. Look up their pottery, and you t- don't. And it's the exact same thing. Right. So when we talk about, um, they say, oh, well, black American, or he was an African American potter, but his pottery isn't looking like no one else work, but here in the Americas. So he's also attached um, to a tribe. Now, whether he was. Um, whether he himself is indigenous or he was influenced or taught by indigenous Americans, that's a whole other conversation. The same thing with um, um, quilting. Well, no one quilts how black Americans quilt and what they, how they frame it is, oh, well, we created this from slavery. No, 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 no. You have to look at indigenous American um, quilting and you say, oh, wow, it's literally the exact same thing. Take from that what you will but this is some 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 parts of um of our scholarship that's not explored, and I wonder why that is. Oh man, that's on purpose. Okay, yeah, so, especially when you read how they don't um how they mm-hmm. uh, don't attribute indigenous art to anybody. Come on now, right? They, to anybody. Yeah. Okay, so I'm reclaiming that. This is this is part of my practice. Yes, I'm a Black American because I fall within that construct that they created. But let's make it clear. I'm an indigenous woman. My family is Mississippi, Choctaw and Creek. 
So, you know, now that that when people are contextualizing my work, don't just try to gloss over it saying, oh, well, you black. Well, yeah, I am black. But let's talk about let's expand this a little bit. Yeah, I like I'm that. I'm sorry. Though. I'm on my. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's good. I like this energy. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Yeshua Kloss. I'm a visual artist from Chicago, living in Brooklyn, doing my thing thing how I do it. And you are now listening to Studio Noise. All right. So um, I'm going to get into your work and you talk about a little bit about that, your actual like making process. Right. Yes. So I'm going to pick a piece uh, that one of my favorite pieces of yours, Seated Girl on a Serpent Throne with oh. pink, with stink pink. Gators. With stink pink gators. See, now that's what I'm talking about. That. You're even like labeling your stuff right. That's what I'm talking about. Because so, it has to be. Yeah. yeah. So even in, in this piece, um, referencing back to the conversation we had about quilting and all the other stuff, I see parts Absolutely. of that inside of it. So as you start like with this piece in particular, what's mm-hmm. the start? What's the genesis? And then how do you build it? Whew. Um. So how my work work works, excuse me, how my work works. <laughs> um. I date these I don't sketch. So I have a blank canvas and essentially um, the work tells me what needs to happen and how I describe it now. I didn't have when I created this work, I wouldn't have described it like this. But my work is a very spiritual process. I, I didn't realize that my my art practice and my spirituality is one of the same. I'm, I'm pulling things out of the ether. And so um, I have this blank canvas and I'm waiting to hear them tell me what needs to happen. What what she, what she wants what she wants me to do, and it's I'm kind of like blacking out, like my, I'm panting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm in tears at some point through this process. Um, and now as I'm understanding it more, what's happening? I'm like this is this is spiritual right now. Now this is my ancestors kind of moving. I'm a, I'm a vessel. And so once I began to see the image, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards that now. Right. So my studio, I have a, like an installation pile of papers, papers I've been compiling for a long time. People have donated them to me. Um, it's old students work who wanted to throw it in the trash. And I, instead of trashing it, I cut it up. My um, friends who are art teachers, they donate their, old, you know, worst they throw in the trash and I cut it up to little pieces. So all these things are um, collaged onto this to this piece. Um, this particular body of work, you see, uh, I had this, this exhibition. This was this past December 2019. And the exhibition was um, the exhibition was called prom night um and i was thinking about the rites of passage of of the coming of age of young black americans and how we make a really big deal out of prom right yeah, yeah. And graduation and people are like it ain't that serious it's not college but you know really it's about coming of age and so when i began looking at through instagram and prom 
you know, these new proms, these kids are like royalty. Okay. Oh yeah. They doing it. Um, but it's like, Oh, where, where did this come from? And I'm like, you know, we, we are, we are absolutely royalty. So I, that they were my inspiration. Um, and so a lot of the symbolism in those paintings, it's a horned serpent and I'm pulling out, I'm using symbols from where my people are from. I'm, I'm from, my family's from Georgia, the Southeast parts of the U S and we have all these mounds and artifacts here, these earthen mounds, and you see the horned serpent throughout it. So I'm like, I have agency to use these things. For one, I am indigenous and two, this is where my people are from. So I'm incorporating these, um, um, this symbolism in these, in these paintings. And, you know, that's actually one of my pop most, my favorite, <laughs> um, paintings. I felt that really confirmed a lot of things for me, um, on her throne. If you look closely, you would see the snake wrapped around it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just, it, it, it came together and I use, I titled it stink pink gators because again, I'm, I'm pulling this from, where I'm from, where I'm from in the D like we, we, the, the, those shoes aren't pink, they're stink pink. And so I, it's really important <laughs> for me to incorporate our language, right? you know, as my work is contextualized in museums and history books and so forth. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening to the work and it essentially unfolds. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So when you look at it, are you seeing colors like come together in it, or are you seeing like the bigger, larger figures? Like how, it's how do you like, do yeah. So once I'm starting, it to me, my my work is like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm. It's like once I started, I kind of know where I'm going, right. and I'm I'm working with hundreds, no, thousands of pieces of little small pieces of paper. So it <laughs> it's like. Okay, where does this piece need to go? And even where I how I'm when I'm using the principles of design, I'm using it on a on a on a real micro level. So I'm balancing that little small sheet of piece of paper in the right um, corner with with the one on the left. Right. You know, like it's it's really a lot going on. Um, and what I think about it is I can attribute that to techno music i can attribute that to jazz where it's like lots of like a conductor a music conductor um or composer excuse me not a conductor well kind of conducting as well but me composing all these notes and um and i can't really tell you because it's really an out-of-body experience right I'm, yeah. I'm creating you get into to be it honest. yeah absolutely yeah yeah and so and I, I look at a lot of your work and I, you majority features women like in a majority uh, of women. them are have um they're looking at you so how important mm -hmm. is that gaze um, mm -hmm. of the of your figures towards the audience because it, it's it's direct it's assured it's confident it's pride you know what i'm saying like it's all that stuff like that's what i see when i see it they know that you're watching they know that you're watching and oftentimes they're they're posturing themselves because they want you to see them in a very particular way and so, um, yeah, it's it's a very watchful eye. And if if you ever have, um, you know, the privilege, I'm, oh, I sound so full of it, the privilege of seeing my work in person, right? <laughs> um, if you ever have the opportunity, privileges in the work, if you have the opportunity to see my work in person, 
the pieces literally follow you. They will follow you across the room. And no matter where you go, they follow. Um, and so they're, they're really, they're really powerful. And, you know, I've, I've been asked, why do I use women only? And I've even used now, why women. Why would somebody ask you that? I know, right? <laughs> well, no, it's important because, because they, I use them as an avatar, like women, because some of the things that I'm talking about men, I, I use women. I can't fully articulate why that is, but my, my brother was murdered in 2014 and I did a, a series on him and I use my women still. And that's when I realized, like, not only do they represent me, but they're also avatars um, for other people or other individuals, right. mostly my, my ancestors. And so, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of I have three sons. I have three sons and I'm married to an amazing man. But I'm more so interested in using the female body. It's interesting. I'm 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 working through it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fine. Like, I don't I don't I don't even consider that like a question worth asking you. It's like, why would you use so many women in your thing? It doesn't doesn't make sense. Like if if you're you're experiencing life through your body and if that's how you choose to to yes. express it then that's how you choose like that's that's not the question that's important to me do you know what i'm saying absolutely as a viewer. yeah so i, I don't know i think that. i just think that's a, a weird question that actually yeah I, people ask me that a lot yeah <laughs> um so tell me about tell me about uh kind of the activities that your figures are doing um mm-hmm. in your avatar so they're in in bedroom spaces they're making clothes they're on thrones like how important are these activities to what you're expressing uh, um I feel like they're some of them are autobiographical, right? So when I'm it's I have a piece where um it's called like lace shirt, right? Girl with lace shirt. And it's it's inspired by me going to boosters homes. I told you I was super <laughs> materialistic. Uh-huh. Kind of still am to a degree, but I'm you know more leaning towards black designers. Um I like luxury, but um with accessing luxury items. Many sometimes I bought them from the store. Oftentimes I went to the booster. Hey, you um, gotta do what you gotta do, yo. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, but I wanted to narrate that and put that in a piece because, again, like as we go to museums and we read about work, I want to make sure that my story is part of it. So they're doing different things. Um, they're the girl on seated throne. I think that that's more like ancestral. That's more. You know, that's something a little bit deeper than my experience. Um, I don't sit on a throne, but maybe I do sit on a throne, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do you not know, just put them in the spaces where they, they tell me they need to be. And my latest piece um, is, ah, what is it titled? I have all these long titles. Um, it's girls doing a water ritual with a horned serpent that they're conjuring up. Something to that degree. It's on my page. And what I'm realizing, um, this work, usually, like I say, it's autobiographical things that I've seen or accessed. But now I feel like this work is going to other dimensions because mm. now these were <laughs> these girls have 
quote unquote powers. Mm, I like or that. quote unquote magic. Yeah. Quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Or is it a dimension? Is it another dimension? Or are they kind of ascending to in consciousness? And so I'm I'm figuring it that out in the work. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, yo. <laughs> like yeah, and it's yeah. actually it's actually you know, allegorical to my, it's all me, right? At the end of the day, they, they look different. <laughs> you know, I can use all men, but at the end of the day, the work is about me. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that where the work is going is I'm seeing it's me and it's me kind of understanding myself, what we're, why we're here on this planet. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of right. I'm connecting the dots for myself and it's living out through the work. Yeah. Right. yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. And appreciate um, it. Another part of your work that is um I think is a characteristic of it is your women usually have gray skin, but they're in mm-hmm. colored environments. So kind of yeah. tell me about that a little bit. Um well it's interesting the past well, let me see. Since twenty twenty, the girls have not been in grayscale. They are colored girls literally right um they they've been colorful and it's a lot that i could say about it because i'm still figuring it out because the colors have different you know implications that the grayscale didn't have i feel that the work my grayscale work anybody can enter it like it i mean i think anyone can appreciate my work right oh yeah for sure um but one of my favorite pieces it's called the red bone who can make rain similar to that. It could be, it's, it's, it's an iteration of that title. Right. Uh-huh. And um, the girl is pink. And I made that piece because when I left Detroit, my first time leaving the city um, and moved, going to Mississippi, people saw me and they said, you a red bone, you red, you red bone. And I didn't know, or at first they said, are you Creole? Because I, when, when I'm in the sun, my skin turn red orange and my hair can turn strawberry blonde. Like oh, wow. I, you know, I'm one of those red folks. Like, yeah. You know, them redheads. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. Girl, I know um, what you're talking about. You they, we all in the South, right? We <laughs> yeah. everywhere. You ain't got to explain and, to me. Right, right, right. So when, but people was calling me red bone and I'm like, no, I'm just, I didn't, I didn't understand that. But <laughs> I went on my genealogical voyage um, three years ago and I discovered Red Bones is an actual tribe. Huh. It started in South Carolina and they, you know, some settled in Louisiana, some settled in other places, but this is a tribe. And so when they saw me, they were I, they were identifying me and kind of placing me like, oh, do you one of those folks? Hmm. And so as I began making the work, I'm like, okay, well, I need to talk about that. I need to be able to reference that. Um, and when you look into indigenous spirituality, whether here in the Americas or Africa, or, you know, wherever you may have um, outside of Christianity, we can make rain like literally we can make rain. And so me, you know, feeling really empowered to tell the full spectrum of who we are, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and as you are discovering it, it ends up in your work. Like and it makes sense. Yeah, it's a progression. It's a pro- it's a progression. It's it's yeah. It's it's like you searching for 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 answers and realizing that you're the question and the answer. <laughs> you're, you're the slave and the master. Right. You know, and that's quoted from Nas. Um, 
but yeah, everything you need to know, you already have the answer to. You just got to f- figure it out, pull it out of you or figure out how to access it. And that, and that's essentially what's happened in, in the work. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. As, as you kind of have, you've been on doing big things for a long time, right? So you got the, yeah. In 2018, you had the Joan Mitchell Foundation grant. You know, the artists yeah. and residents, all this kind of it's like you. Been good. Yeah, you hitting, yeah. you hitting some 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 nice peaks up up there, and that, yeah, that rarefied air. So. And so, so, as you interacting with audiences, um, mm-hmm. what do you think they think about your work? <laughs> um, they get it. I mean, one thing that I I I do appreciate my work, although my work is definitely about me. It's about people who look like me, my mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. coming from Seven Mile, you know, being indigenous, being everybody from all walks of life can relate to the work because a lot of times they see themselves in it, you know, like feeling empowered, feeling, being resilient. Um, I was in an exhibition curated by Maria Brito. Um, and this show wound up being in, in Lebanon. But, you know, one of the things that I discovered was, um, was that, well, what, what she articulated to me is like, I see how your women at some point realize their power. I can relate it to, you know, the Lebanese women can, Mm. can relate to it as well. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm talking about my story, but it, it transcends, race and gender when you get to the to the core of it just having like pride in who you are um being unapologetic about who you are um motherhood womanhood like you know every it's so i think it's it's varied and people get it yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it's yeah. also nuanced is my work is very nuanced like i don't know if you know all the things that i'm speaking of if people would get that right away about my work yeah i I think they uh, i get it like even as you're saying like i connect with it like so much even as you're saying like you confirm a lot of my thoughts about about your work when i when i'm as Mm -hmm. i'm studying it and so yeah i think and that's one of the things that's important about one being able to hear like artists like you black artists like you indigenous artists like you uh speaking in this voice because uh, if you don't have a platform to let your voice be known to yeah. let, and tell people the truth and that you're putting into your work, then they'll yes. dismiss it. But they'll the thing it. is that the truth is there for people to find it when they look for it. It's there. And they'll find them even like, like your women will stare at them until they get until, it. You know? Yeah. And I want to take that a step further when you think in terms of truth, because a lot of black Americans, we are always looking for truth on so many levels, right? Like what, why y'all do it itself? What, what, why, why, why? And, but when you look close enough, you, everything, it will, it will be revealed. It's hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Um, and so I think when you, when we talk about slavery and we talk about, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, we, we don't really talk about the native American trade slave slave trade <laughs> that happened 200 years prior right. to yeah. the um, African, um, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, but we, Oh, I forgot my point. Jesus. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I'm sorry. I just have a lot of thoughts going through my no, head. It's all good. Joe. It's all good. It's, it's the whole point is it's, it's hidden in plain sight. 
and and you see those influences if you learn if you learn you first have to acknowledge that it's there right and once you acknowledge that it's there it's it's, it's just like oh it's, it's going to download the information you're going to see everything right right <laughs> right yeah yeah and so we we reaching the end of our time but I do want to talk a little bit about um, okay. you as a person as a mother and the yeah. your incredible things that you're doing with your 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 folks that you raising up uh, oh, I think it's phenomenal okay. that you that you I, and, and, <laughs> and this is not don't take this the wrong way but sure like women women can do so much like you can go and out and make this incredible artwork yeah and you can have time for that but you can also raise your son the way that you are sons yeah you know multiple yeah sons yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely um well i um I, for one i homeschool my children um my kids are homeschooled and my my husband the like, whole I time do, the whole way um for my eldest he's been homeschooled he he'll be 16 next month and he's been homeschooled since he was nine wow yep but the the middle son who's 13 he's been homeschooled his whole life and then my um my four-year-old, you know, he's he'll be homeschooled. But my husband, so none of this would be possible. First off, shout out to the black man, okay? Hey, all right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. let's let's make that clear. I am not a single parent by no means. And a lot of my mentors weren't just women; they are also men. And I've been around a lot of strong women, and I've been around a strong men. So let let me make that clear. This is not. <laughs> We, me and my husband, Jeffrey, who is brilliant, who's genius, um, he holds it down and he's been there since the beginning of the journey. But we homeschool our kids. We're part of a homeschool co-op, a black homeschool co-op in um, D.C. called Sankofa. It's one of the largest on the East Coast. Um, And it's so interesting. We were so ahead of the time. Well, because, you know, everybody's want to homeschool now because of, of course, the pandemic. And so our co-op is growing significantly um and the gift that we 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 were able to give our children was like yo what is it you want to do and and we're kind of unschool unschoolers which means that we use some curriculum like okay you're going to do your math you're going to do your science but what is it you want to do what you interested in and so my son jeremiah who will be 16 next month he his interest was music and he plays the upright bass now I played an instrument, but I, I have to say that my husband's family is from the Delta, Mississippi, and his great-great-grandfather taught B.B. King how to play Ooh. the guitar, how to play the blues. Nice. And so my my son's great-grandfather, he was him and B.B., you know, B.B. <laughs> is my husband's grandmother's first cousin. So, um you know, it sounds funny, like my cousin's first mailman. Oh, no, nah, this is, yeah. This, yeah. His family. In North Carolina, in the, that's how we describe everybody. <laughs> but it's it's fact. So when, yeah. when you go to Indianola, Mississippi, and you go to the B.B. King Museum, you see his family, the fairs. So this it's in my son's DNA. But anyway, we we gave him the space to, to explore and say, if your calling is music, we, we're going to do it. And because I'm an artist, um, my husband is um, a practitioner of Chinese medicine, a herbalist. He's a healer. We we have we have a lot of space, and so like if my son, you know, we three hours from New York. All right, you want to learn? You want to go and study up under Christian Scott? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then we go we go drive you to 
to New York and uh, we've been doing that. And he's, oh my gosh, he's my son. What you hope as a parent is to, to instill like discipline in him. Mm-hmm. He's literally one of the hardest working artists I've ever met in my life nice. ever. Yeah. And I've, I know some, some folks, you know, professional folks, he, he goes hard. And so like, if he want to practice into 2 a.m., plan his jazz because he's a, a jazz upright bassist i'm like i gotta let him do it because this is something spiritual happening yeah you know i can listen to it like this ain't music this is something else and so um we are we're in new york and he played at blue note you know he, wow. he just had something i'm not really at liberty to talk about what it is he's doing it'll it'll be aired and i'll reveal more but we were able to like really push it. My middle son, Yakalo, who is 13, he wants to be a visual artist. So, you know, I'm like, okay, you, you, you want to be a visual artist and you got me as a mom. Okay. <laughs> it's about to be lit. So it is. Whew, I feel, no, I yeah. feel bad for him, but it's, it's, it's real. Um, and because I'm an artist, you know, all my peers are artists. And so he's being, um, he, his teacher is Jabari Jefferson, who's like, I call him my protege. You know what I'm saying? Um, so he's there around artists and my four-year-old, I'm just watching him. Like, what is it? He needs to tell me, or I, I need to develop the eye to say, okay, what is it? What is your gift? Right. You know, is it with plants? Is it with whatever? Um, so yeah, that's, it's a, it's a really organic household. We're really like kind of hippie-ish and, um, Yes, it's 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that is awesome, yo. That 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 kind of energy, man. You can't, oh man, you can't um can't even know how far somebody can go with that kind of jet fuel in their system. You know, oh, what I'm saying like parents that support them and nurture them and and yeah, and getting the, those opportunities to study and and play and the ability to um yeah, you know, define yourself. Right, I think that's that's an important thing. Like you're giving it them space to define so- themselves important and 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 the education system like i was in it for 13 years i'm telling you i have such you know that's another conversation but i understand what the education system does to our children in particular and also once you you have to research what the school system was created for mm. okay mm. once you once once you go and oh, understand girl, that's another podcast the, girl the Rockefellers <laughs> and the Rothschilds and all these folks who set up and they created the curriculum for a very specific reason, and you realize, and you, these are quotables. You can Google it. You'd be like, ah, okay, now this is this makes sense. Yeah. So, because I was able to recognize that, I'm like, I didn't have a, a good conscience to keep my children in it. Although I have privilege, I have to acknowledge my privilege to be able to pull them out. Because most parent, most people like. Yeah. Shit, I got to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's an opportunity for them to t- keep your kids and kind of indoctrinate and cultivate your kids. And when you examine the education system and you'd be like, well, why is our kids blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay. I see. Start at preschool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, yeah, it's, that's a whole other podcast right there. That's a whole other yeah. podcast in itself. Yeah, I think we we in an early episode. Um, I know these two teachers. They're they're actually twins and artists, um, mm-hmm. Sachi and Toki. And they we had an episode talking about uh, arts education and all the things that they're going through and mm-hmm. how it works into it. So 
you know, I don't know, you might, might have to get everybody together and have this thing, oh, have, have this thing out. Deep. Go ahead, put it out there, let people know. It's deep. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really kind of, kind of scary to be honest. Um, but it's a necessary conversation as we're in this paradigm shift that's happening. We we are going to have to address it, and it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, but in order for us to heal and and fix the problem. We have to understand what the problem is to, in order to dismantle it. That's true, yo. That's so true. So my all last right. my last question for you is: okay. in this time, like you know, with all the stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. like where do you, what role do you see art playing for people, Ooh, or can do it's for important? People? Oh my God, art! Oh man, when I I've been posting more on my page, more I've I've always kind of like hated kind of social media, but now I get it now. I'm recently understanding how it could be a tool. But when you listen to artists and when I mean and read artists, so Octavia Butler knew that this was happening, that this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, When you listen to, I posted Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly and I posted the album cover. He knew that this was going to happen. When you look at um, Kahende Wiley's sculpture he just put up in Virginia Rumors yeah. Award. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. And and so then I have to question, well, like, what what's the purpose of art? Why is art so valuable? And art, you know, when you look at it through an indigenous lens, not anybody can be an artist. This you had to be ordained or it did come through your family, or you had to have something special to be an artist. So those of us who have the ability and gifts and agency to really practice it, I'm like, yo, we on some, we on some prophetic type stuff. And I'm looking at Carrie James Marshall's work in a, in a whole mm. different light. I'm looking at Della Wells' work in a whole different light. Right. And so I think it's important for us to begin recontextualizing it outside of a a Euro a European framework. And that's what I'm doing. Um, so artists is the future. People, whoever listens to this, pay attention to artists. Listen to us because I, I don't think that we understand what our ideas come from. We just do it and we inspired and creativity. But when you, as I'm learning, it ain't no such thing as creativity. Like we literally are downloading things from the ether. You got to understand what the, what, what the hell is the ether? What does that even mean? And so I feel really compelled to get back into education, but not in a traditional sense, because this is a paradigm. Um, I'm already mentoring some young, young folks. Um, so I'm like, well, shit, I, I have the experience. I, I, underst- I understand, like I've done my research. So maybe I need to be a part of the solution. So um, I feel art, art is, is so important. It's so important. We have, the, we have the solutions. We already know the problems before we, before we know the problems. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh man, I'm glad we got you like in this universe, like letting people know like what's going on, yo. You got you got some energy, girl. I, I love your work even more it's, now. Then I got to talk you. with you. Thank you, thank you. It's it's like I'm and I'm becoming from Howard and coming as as a mentor of the like the Afrocopter School of Art and you know the folks that came from the Black Arts Movement. It's about making work for the people, and at the end of the day, it's about my people liberating themselves and feeling empowered you know oh, and so sure. I'm, i feel committed now i'm going to use the best tool that we have in 2020 and that's social media and the, that damn computer handheld computer <laughs> to do my part to make sure that i contribute to us uplifting ourselves and dismantling 
this shit that they gave us. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> for that's sure. it. That's how I'm gonna leave lead us. Yeah, and they can they can <laughs> find your work at jameerrichmondedwards.com. Uh, what's your you IG? Same thing. Same thing is Jamia Richmond Edwards at IG. My website is whew, it's out. I haven't, you know, it's it's so it's everything is on there. Um, it's it's going to be re revamped, but you can find it now, and y'all can judge. Like this girl <laughs> need to update her website, but it is. It's, I'm in the process. Um, but you know, social media, my I'm um, it's my government name on all of them. So. Yeah, and that's what's up, yo. We appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Thank you, Jamal. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun. And that's it. Another episode of the Studio Noise Podcast in the bag. Big shout out to Jameer Richmond Edwards coming on the podcast for using her voice the way she do she's one of my favorites so make sure y'all check her out uh she's always one to watch uh i know even after such a great episode y'all just waiting so anxiously wondering what the next episode will be i tell you we got dr christina cleveland on an episode we talking about uh the black divinity the image of it it's gonna be great yo it's like it's a great conversation it's a little switch up from what we usually do but i think y'all gonna like it it's, it's a good one for us to have and so in the meantime between time y'all need something to listen to uh to keep you vibing in the studio i say just like i said in this in this podcast when i was riding my bike playing my cousin's outcast tape um that was the good life and so i'm gonna get y'all to listen to that in your studio it's it's a vibe so listen to that southern playlist that cadillac music in the trunk baby It don't get no better. It don't get no better than that. Then the cast. You got to play that cast. So that's going to give you some good vibes in the studio uh, this week. And as always, we sure do appreciate you listening to Studio Noise. Uh, taking your time. So wherever you listen to podcasts right now, why don't you just hit that subscribe button? If you're listening somewhere, you can you can give us a little five-star rating. Get us pumped up in the chart. Write a review. Let everybody know about the noise. We sure do appreciate it. Tell two friends while you're at it, uh, just for just for good measure, and to let everybody know about the noise. And you want to holler at us? You can head over to IG at Studio Noise Podcast, uh, slide in a DM, or send me an email at Studio Noise Podcast at gmail.com. You can find my co-host Jiggy Jazz on the Instagram at Negris.Supreme. Don't forget that dot. And of course, you can follow your boy at Barber studio across all your social medias to all my artists out there they want to go deep then take them deep deeper than deep dish hammers and folks deeper than sea fish in the ocean take them deep baby let them go all the way up in that studio make your noise blow their minds right quick that's what we need to do it's studio noise baby we see y'all next week peace <laughs>